This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. It is early Friday morning. We are jumping into this. <laughs> this is going to be a recruiting podcast, folks. <laughs> There's just no two ways about it. A lot of times we throw in a little basketball here or maybe a little spring football there. There's going to be a lot of time to talk about those things as we go along. But this podcast, this specific podcast, is going to be all recruiting. Because Scott's got a lot to talk about. He's been going all over the country. He's been to Texas. He's been to other camps. He's been checking everything out. So we wanted to touch base with Scott and kind of get a great overall view on how things are going for Washington right now. Because you look at the recruiting uh, you know, outlook right now and you look at the number of commitments compared to other schools out there in the footprint. Washington only has two verbal commit right now, commits right now in Landon Bell and EJ Kamenong, you know, they had, they had a third in Jackson Jones, who's now committed to Oregon, but a lot is going to be happening here in the coming months. So Scott, just give us a general overview of kind of where you see Washington's recruiting right now. I, I see it maybe a little bit behind where I thought it would be. If you had asked me that question back in December, I would have thought Washington would have had a few more commits by now. But as things have kind of gone along, I've talked to a few people and all that kind of stuff. And it just sounds like Washington's going to be much more measured in their offers and their, uh, you know, when, when they're going to push on commits and lean on them to get commits out of them. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think, I thought Washington would maybe have like four or five by about now. Um, they only have two. And like you and I just I guess I just uh, thought it would be a little bit bigger, a higher number. But then once you kind of look at what they're looking at bringing in and and the guys that they're after and you take a, you know, a a big overview of where things are at. I I think this kind of matches where they thought they would be, which is that I know they want to slow the process down a little bit and maybe have a few more spots open when the season gets underway. Uh, in in September so they can they can really hit some of these higher end kids and maybe some kids who are committed to other schools and and you know continue to keep after them and say hey you know we're we're we want to get you in the boat regardless of whether you committed to somebody right now by the end of the by the end of the of the cycle you know December or February depending on when the kid wants to sign we want to get you with us, even if you're committed to or leaning to another school right now. So Washington is kind of playing the long game with a lot of these 2024 guys. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting dynamic, right? You want to show them a lot of love. You want to make them feel like they're really needed. But at the same time, you want to give them the space in order to make them feel like they've gone through the entire process. They've checked out all their options so they can make the best decision for them. But ultimately you want them to make the decision that's best for Washington too, which is obviously to come to Washington. Uh, it's an interesting way to go for sure. And, and also just real quick to clarify, you know, they, they had, to, they've had, to, they have two commitments in EJ Kamenong, the quarterback from Garfield and Landon Bell, the receiver from, from, um, from where Nevada, uh, Nevada, same uh, high school as Jeremy is, Bernard and uh, Troy Fautano. Yeah. Fautano. Um, so they've got those two, but they actually have a third in Austin Mack, the quarterback from Folsom, but he's reclassified. So now he's going to be coming in during the leap in June when, ironically, a lot of these guys would normally be taking their official visits. So he might end up, ironically, probably being a host for maybe some of these guys. You just never know. Um, but 
going into the specific numbers of all this stuff, it, it doesn't feel like they're necessarily done at quarterback for 2024, even though they have one committed. Um, where do you think are going to be the overall positions of need? And what do you think maybe is the overall number right now for 2024? Uh, well, you know, I, I think, you know, as we look at it right now, the you, you definitely want to get at least three, if not four offensive linemen. You want to get at least two defensive line, interior defensive line guys. Um, you definitely want to keep building up that secondary that they've really focused on, uh, not only in the transfer portal with uh, Jabari Muhammad, but also, um, you know, bringing in five guys um, from high school to that to that position group. And I think they want to continue to add, especially at the safety spot where they're a little probably lighter than they want to be. Um, they've got some versatile guys that they can move around back there, but I think they'd like to bring in maybe a true thumper at safety. Now, granted, everybody's looking for that true thumper at safety, right, Chris? So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's not like you just say, oh, I want a thumper at, at safety and you're going to be able to bring him in. You got to you're, you're working against, you know, 60 other schools that are looking for that same kind of guy. So, um, you know, Washington is really scouring the country, trying to find those under the rock guys, but also they're, they're going after some of the big, uh, you know, high end guys who can play those positions as well. I think receiver, you know, they're probably only going to take two, maybe three if they find the right guy, but you know, they're probably only going to take two in the class. Um, and, um, but offensive line and tight end are, are a couple other spots. They're going to take two running backs in this class. So, you know, they're really focused on a lot of these, a lot of these position groups. But, um, I think if you, if you had to classify them by need, I think interior defensive lineman is probably your number one need. But again, every school needs interior defensive linemen. So it's not, uh, just a snap of the fingers and you can find two really high quality guys. It's, it's real tough. And then um, I think you could probably say safety, uh, running back, and probably tight end. Those are probably your top what four or five uh, position groups uh, in this class that they're that they're really going to be looking for. But I mean they're looking for every position group, adding adding at least one or two guys in each at each position group. Yeah, and we should also talk about this with the caveat that the the portal is kind of a separate issue that we probably won't be really focused on too much in this particular podcast, because for one thing, the portal is kind of 24 seven, 365 now. I mean, there's now that the portal is open, guys can go in and out. You've got spring football where guys are going to be making decisions after spring football, whether they kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, maybe there are just too many guys in front of them. Maybe they think they need to go to another place, get a fresh start, those types of things. That's going to be happening at Washington as well as every other college in the country. So we, we, we have to kind of treat this recruiting podcast more as the high school realm looking at 2024 from that, you know, from that filter, because the, because we don't know necessarily what's going to happen in the portal. The portal is, is kind of that ethereal thing that's always in the background that you have to pay attention to, obviously, but the numbers are going to come and go. There's going to be guys that are going to leave Washington. There's going to be guys that are going to be seriously considering Washington, but who knows how that's going to work necessarily? Because as we remember, right after spring football last year, oh yeah, they got Wayne Talapapa, they got Will Nixon, they got Chris Mole. You know, there's some of these guys that will end up filling voids based on the number of based on the number of players that leave Washington. Even though right now I just did a numbers thing earlier this week, and they're still at two three. They've got to still kind of have some attrition first before they can start thinking about adding numbers for this fall. So again, 
thinking about that on the periphery because that's always going to kind of be there. But this is going to be more specific to just what's happening for 2024 in terms of the high school kids, the official visits, that kind of aspect and looking at the numbers that way. So I know it's a bit confusing, but it's it's really difficult to kind of get a handle on the portal, Scott, because it's kind of this slippery thing where it's like, oh, okay, you think you finally got a handle on it. You kind of think you know where it's going. And then all of a sudden, you know, after spring football, a week after you find out, oh, five guys from Washington left. Okay, now where does that lead them? Yeah. So it's it's kind of this always ever-changing thing that we will certainly deal with and talk about in subsequent podcasts. But right now it's kind of tough because there's really it, it's really kind of static right now during spring football. You certainly don't expect to, to hear about guys leaving in the middle of spring football. That would be a bit uncommon. So we're not going to really focus on that too much. We're going to focus yeah. a lot more on the high school kids right now. And the, and the main reason we're going to talk about the high school kids today specifically is that there was a huge 24-7 re-ranking. That just came out in the last day or so. And I wanted you to, to kind of give some oversight on that, um, which guys moved up, which guys moved down, which guys maybe uh, are Washington targets that the Washington fans should be focused on. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I and I wrote an article on the front page. It's it's uh, like on the fourth or fifth spot right now. Um, Husky targets rise and fall in latest 2024 uh, top two, four, seven rankings. And it's also linked on our message board if you want to go there. But basically I started off with the in-state targets, the ones that everybody wonders about because guys, you know, know them, they seen them, you know, play live and everything like that. And I mean, the top guy in the state is Jason Brown, the, the tailback from O'Day high school in Seattle. He was rated as the top running back in the country. He's still one of the top running backs in the country, but he did fall, fall 34 spots in the top two, four, seven fell um, from 30th to 64th overall. He's still a solid four-star guy um, and uh, a very high four-star guy, actually. I mean, he's he's still 32 spots away from being a five-star, but um, and I don't see his his ranking getting any any higher. Honestly, I I would be surprised if he I wouldn't be surprised if he falls even more over the next you know six months to a year. Um, as they do re-rankings and things like that. So um, I, I think he's probably a, a top 100 guy, but I don't. I, I still think 64th is a little high. That's just my opinion. Obviously, Brandon Huffman and those guys have been doing this a lot longer and a lot better than I've been doing it. So it's just my opinion. But I, I just don't see a dynamic guy in Jason Brown that I see in maybe some more elusive guys and, and, and guys, he's a guy who's, he's a straight line runner. He isn't, he doesn't have the shake and bake that you want. Now I've heard that he's trimmed down a little bit, um, ended up losing, I want to say like 15, 20 pounds. He was up right around 205, 210, somewhere in that range. He's probably down about 190 now. And if that's the case, then maybe he is going to be a little bit more elusive than I had seen the, the last two years of his, uh, you know, playing because as a freshman, he really broke out. And then as a, a sophomore and junior, it was just like, eh, okay. I mean, he's fast, but he's more of a straight line guy. He's he's a downhill runner. Um, he's much better between the tackles than he is going wide because he can't make guys miss. He couldn't make guys miss. So we'll see what he looks like. Um, well, let's be let's be completely oh. transparent about a guy like a Jason mm-hmm. Brown, for instance. Mm-hmm. First of all, he is a guy that like Brandon Huffman, for instance would have known about since he was in the ninth grade and he was a star. He was, he was playing in the ninth grade. Yes. This is a guy that is a, that is a 
you know, if, if there was ever such a thing as a veteran guy in high school, Jason Brown would be it. I mean, he is a guy that's gotten a lot of playing time uh, for the Fighting Irish. The other thing to suggest is that because he was getting a lot of early attention, Washington offered really early on. Schools like Alabama had offered him all over the country. He's almost kind of set up for failure as time goes on, and it's not his fault because you're so well-known. To be mm-hmm. able to stay at that high level is really a really tough thing to do, especially when all the national guys go scour the country, and now all of a sudden they're finding all those guys who can be at a level similar to Brown, if not better. Well, and, and, so, and it's not it's not just that, Chris. It's kids who maybe weren't very mature when they were freshmen, yeah, yeah. and now those Late guys have hit maybe the, the the hormones have kicked in, they've gotten bigger, they've gotten stronger, they've gotten faster, they've gotten better. And that now those kids have, have jumped past Jason Brown, who might have matured a little bit earlier than some of these other guys. So it, it's it, like you said, Chris, it, it's just it's a ever-rotating, ever-changing uh, way of, of doing things. Yeah, yeah. I, just don't want, I just don't want fans to be thinking of a guy like Jason Brown because we see it every class. We see those guys that have been in the rankings since forever. We saw it with with Savelle Smalls, for instance, mm-hmm. back in, even though he he still ended up as a five star, he was a guy that was considered maybe a top ten guy when he first in, in when the first rankings for his class came out, like two three years before he could even sign anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 slowly but surely, it just kind of dropped a little bit, and then he kind of ebbed back a little bit. I, I just don't want this to necessarily be considered an indictment on a guy like Jason Brown, who's yes. a phenomenal running back. I mean, he, look at his offer list. I mean, a lot of people look at that offer list and go, okay, that's all I need to hear. Um, it's just a situation. It's more of a dynamic where, like you said, there's a lot of guys that either become late bloomers, they grow into things, they just, you know, guys get found, tape starts showing up on guys, and you're all of a sudden like, why is that guy only ranked 100th when he needs to be? 25th or mm-hmm. 40th or whatever so again you like you said so much going on i just don't want to necessarily be thinking that jason brown all of a sudden is not as good as he was because i still think he's a very talented running back yeah yeah um just moving on uh there's an o'day offensive and defensive lineman is sendrea fua um that basically everybody was after and still is after um, he dropped uh, 29 spots. He dropped from 84th overall to 113th. But, um, you know, and, and people have asked me several times about UW's recruitment of him. They offered him under Jimmy Lake, and I think this new staff has reoffered him. But I don't think they're that hard in pursuit of him. I, I think and I don't even if they were, I don't I don't think he would be really considering. I think he's a guy who has the bright lights of the of the SEC and Big Ten in his eyes. And I, I don't see him staying local. I, I don't even know if I see him staying on the West Coast, although with USC and UCLA um, options for him and, and being in the Big Ten now, you know, by the time he gets to school, um, you know, that that I guess that's always a possibility. And Oregon's always there, too. But I, I just I don't see a, a special talent, and I don't think Washington's coaches see a special talent in 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 Isendria Fua. Now that being said, other people do, and and uh, but you know I mean he was a guy who missed the first quarter of the season because um, he didn't have the classes uh, under his belt that he needed to get under his belt. So 
Um, this is a guy who's had some off-field struggles when it comes to academics. I've, I've heard he's got he's working hard to get get those in order. But I think there's some concern with not just the Washington coaches, but I think some other coaches in the country that have maybe pulled back on him a little bit. So we'll have to wait and see on him uh, where things go. Uh, the next guy a lot of people want to know about is Braden Platt, the uh, linebacker out of Yelm. Uh, Washington is very much in the mix for him, but Notre Dame is considered the favorite right now. And I know that Michigan is also there, Oregon, USC. So, you know, Washington by no means has the, has a, has a huge advantage over anybody else. He actually fell 47 spots from 44th to 91st overall. But, uh, I mean, he is a, he is a between the tackles run stopping guy who can play outside the tackles but he, i mean at 240 pounds he can he can he's already got a college ready, ready body he's going to be a guy who could come in and maybe not start right away for a school but he could come in and play a lot of downs as a true freshman um so that's a guy just to to you know keep in the back of your head um as someone that Washington's right in the middle of uh the the mix for but uh I think I think right now he's looking at leaving the state too. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Hogan Hansen, tight end from Bellevue, committed to Michigan. Really likes Washington too. Um, stay, he's still committed to uh, Michigan, and, and I think he stays that way for a long time. If not, ends up signing with them. But Washington is still continuing to work on him. He fell from, or I'm sorry, he rose from 121st to 117th in the in in the country. Um, that's, uh, a guy that Washington is still going to be in the mix for. Um, I already mentioned that tight end would be a spot that Washington, uh, is really focused on Fox crater is a kid out of evergreen high school down in Vancouver. Uh, he's already committed to Oregon. Uh, he hadn't been ranked and he ended up 151st, um, in the country in this last ranking. So he, he climbed quite a bit. Um, and yeah, he's and one of, of those, he's one of those guys that we would have talked about, in terms of the Jason Brown discussion, like he is a yeah. guy that all of a sudden went from, Oh, okay. We didn't really know much about him to all of a sudden, like, Oh, we saw him at camp. Then we followed up, looked yeah. at some film and we're now we're like, Oh, that's a guy we missed early. Yeah. It's, we, it's we the disparity. Sure. Yeah. It's the disparity of playing at a school like O'Day that everybody knows about and yeah. a school like Evergreen where very few people know about uh, right. kids coming out of there, out of Vancouver. So 151st in the country. I know Washington is still working on him, trying to get him up for visits and things like that. They like him a lot. He, he looks like last time I saw him, which was in this, in the season. So that was about what, five, six months ago. So, I mean, he could look a lot different, but he looked like a basketball player, but he's got the long arms, great feet. Um, he's got a great frame. He could play easily at 295, 300 pounds, um, he's going to be a, he's going to be a pretty good player down the road. So yeah, I know Washington, most, I was going to say, Scott, with most linemen, I mean, most of those guys are getting recruited with the idea of what they're going to be like in a couple of years, not, not what they look like. Yes. Now. Yes. It's the skill guys are the ones that you're looking at. What are they going to look like a year from now? The O line and D line guys are guys you're talking about. What's he going to look like three or four years from now and, yeah. and where they're going to fit. So the last two on the list are guys who actually fell out of the, top two, four, seven rankings. Uh, one is Rayshon Clark out of, uh, federal or Rashawn Clark out of federal, uh, way high school. He's an, he's a two way athlete. Um, most people feel he's better on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's, he'd be a great safety or Husky in Washington system, but he wants to play offense. He wants to play on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, so 
you know, he's kind of still out there. He uh, fell out of the rankings. He was 118th overall in November, and now he is out of the rankings. And Marshawn McCraney is another athlete. He's out of Highline High School. That's where um, uh, DeAndre Cooper uh, or Deontay Cooper is uh, the head coach. And he's a guy that we've known about for about four or three years now. And um, long, athletic guy. Uh, can catch the balls, great hands, uh, great playmaking ability. I think he's be- at best as a at his best as a free safety, but he could play wide receiver. Washington's recruiting him as a as a safety, I believe, and uh, but they've also been evaluating him as a wide receiver too. Uh, he fell from 123rd overall uh, to now out of the rankings. So those are the in-state guys. Some of the out-of-state guys that Washington's on: Nate Frazier, a running back out of modern day. High school, he's 5'11", 195 pounds, can do a lot of different things for you in in the modern day offense, and could do that here at the in Washington's offense. He's uh in um he's fell in at 184th in the in the rankings. He hadn't been ranked before that. And um another guy that Washington really really likes a lot is a guy by the name of Fletcher Westfall. He's an offensive lineman out of Virginia, and that's not a place. The last two guys that I remember making impacts out of the state of Virginia at the University of Washington are guys who played 30 years ago, Chris. And that's yeah. um, that's a yeah. Donald Jones and Ed Cunningham. Yeah, I was so, going to mention Ed Cunningham, but sure, yeah, sure Donald and, Jones. Yeah, and and those two guys made huge impacts on the 1991 team. And um, he's, he's a, he's a big-time guy. He's about 6'7", 315 pounds. He did drop 81 spots from 142nd overall to 223, but – um, Washington still has him very high on their board and he's going to be visiting. We'll talk about visitors here in a little bit, I'm assuming, Chris. So, yep. um, and then, uh, Pocky Finau is a guy who's already got an official visit set to Washington for the last week of, uh, June. And uh, once again, we'll be talking to you guys about official visitors, uh, as well. But, uh, Pocky Finau is a guy that Washington really likes a lot. He's an interior guy from what a lot of people have said, although he could play outside too. He's got a ton of fat Power 5 programs after him. He made his first appearance in the rankings. He came in at a 216th overall. And then probably the highest guy that Washington is even remotely in the mix for. And, and they're, 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 it's going to be tough for them to get him in the boat. But a guy by the name of Elijah Rushing out of South Point Catholic, that's where Mateo Mele comes out of. Um, he uh, came in at – he was uh, 10th in the country in November – he is now eighth in the country. He's about 6'5", 220 pounds, 230 pounds, somewhere in that range. Um, great uh, edge rusher, and everybody in the country is is after him. He's got he's got offers from basically anybody in the top 25 and basically anyone in the top 50. He he has offers from them. So um, Washington is in the mix. He visited back in uh, back in early February, and Washington is trying to get him. Uh, I'm sorry, not early February. I'm sorry, late January. And then uh, Washington's trying to get him back on campus for um, a spring practice and possibly an official visit. He did tell me that he was thinking of Washington for one of his official visits, but he wasn't sure just yet. And that's that's where things are kind of going with him. Um, if if you want to go to, you know, athletes and guys who could play wide receiver or defensive back, we already talked about a couple local guys. But Aaron Butler is a commit to USC right now. He's out of Calabasas, but he's got a lot of different schools that are still looking at him. And he's looking at taking an official visit to Washington at the end of June. 
Uh, Aaron Flowers out of Forney, Texas. I just saw him a couple weeks ago when uh, when I went down to Texas to watch to watch guys, and he looks awesome. He is going to be a special special guy. He he rose a hundred spots from 209th back in November to 109th now, uh, and he's expecting uh, he's expecting to visit Washington later in April, possibly for the spring game. Um, Kamar Motuti is a guy who I actually just did an update with, and I'll be posting that sometime today. Uh, I'm sorry, sometime, um, yeah, sometime, uh, this morning, it might be a little later, um, this morning, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but yeah. Um, anyway, he's a guy who, uh, to keep an eye out for a thing for him, he's, uh, made his first appearance. He was at 150th in the country. He's a linebacker out of Campbell hall in Valley village. I think that's Southern California, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, Chris. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, he plays for premium and that's all, um, SoCal athlete, so I would say uh, uh, he's probably one of those guys, but he is um, a guy who has offers from all over. And Dylan Williams is the last one I'm going to mention. He's a uh, he's a linebacker prospect from Long Beach Poly. Uh, Washington has gotten a visit out of him already, and they're going to get another one. They're hoping this this uh, next month in in April. If not, they're trying to get him for an official visit. He did drop 24 spots to 178th in the country, so. Lots of kids that Washington is in on. Um, there's there's more on that list that Washington's made offers to, and they're still trying to get on campus. But those are the you know biggest names right now uh, that Washington is really in the in the thick of things for. Other guys are they're kind of on the periphery. Jericho Johnson, a defensive lineman out of Southern California. Brandon Baker, um, Devonte Carter. Those are uh, offensive linemen from modern day that Washington has made an impression on. Preston Talmua. Top offensive lineman from Hawaii. He rose 50 spots from 200, nearly 50 spots from 206th in the country to 159th. So Washington's in the middle of this with a lot of guys. And this is a big change from last year when, uh, you know, because of their position in, in the hierarchy of recruiting at Fresno State, a lot of these coaches, you know, a lot of the coaches hadn't made impacts with many of these guys at this point and they hadn't really formed relationships with them but now that they've had a year a little over a year to form relationships with these kids now these kids are starting to say okay Washington is a school I definitely want to look at and and consider and so that's I think one of the reasons why we're not going to see as many commits by the end last year they had 18 commits before the start of the season I think this year you're going to see probably nine or ten because they're they're still trying to make bigger impressions with some of these top rated guys and I got to tell you too, Scott, uh, with a name like Rushing as an edge player, I, I just don't see how you can go wrong. I mean, it, that, that I guy. I agree, has, and and a that, lot of people have said that. Yes, that guy has the best name for his position of anyone in this recruiting class, bar none. I I I'm gonna die on that hill. Yeah, so the only he, the only way he it would be a better fit is if he was a running back. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and that and that would be just a bit odd. But the fact is that this guy literally is rushing all the time and apparently is nonstop and apparently is one of the best in the country. It's phenomenal. If I was his family, because um, these kids are all about brands nowadays, right, Chris? Yes. Yeah, they're all about brands. He should change his middle name to Pass. And he literally should just start a line of clothing right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, whatever whatever yeah. brand he wants to have. He needs to hire someone to create his brand, to create his his logo. Just go for it. Yeah, and because if you want, if if I can be honest, Chris, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to 
um, say that he's going to be as good as this guy was uh, when he was at Washington. And it took this guy a little while to get really good at Washington. But right now, as a and see, I saw him as a sophomore last year, Chris. Um, this it was this time last year I saw him at the L.A. Under Armour camp, and he just blew me away with how big he was. He looks like Joe Tryon did as a freshman in college. Yeah. And he's only a junior in call in high school. So well, it, I it, was going to say, you'll remember this name from back in the day. And, and when I say back in the day, we're talking 10 years ago. It's not that, a long, long time ago. Well, maybe a little longer than that. But I remember going down to one of the camps in, in SoCal. In, I think Brandon Huffman's alma mater, if I remember correctly. And, uh, Everson Griffin. No, that wasn't 10 years ago, Chris. Was it that was was like longer 15, than that? Oh, yeah, it was like 15 years ago. Okay, yeah. so 15, so okay, 10 years ago plus. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to hold back the years. So Everson Griffin saw him at 250 pounds plus, 255, yep. run a 4.46. That was a hand time 40. And wind-aided. Yeah, I remember. Well, he, he did that. They thought it was wind-aided. Then he came back. And ran like a four six into, into the, wind. the wind, yeah. And I'm just, yeah. I mean, this is the type of thing that I'm thinking of when I think of, when I hear a guy like Elijah Rush, and I'm thinking Everson Griffin. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's quite that that athletic. I mean, Everson Griffin is a freak athletically, isn't he? Still in the NFL? It probably. I don't if know. I'm, it, I'm pretty sure he's still in the NFL. And um, I mean, that guy is a ridiculous athlete. So Elijah rushing is very athletic. Very. Don't get me wrong. He's actually probably longer than Everson Griffin was. Yeah. But, um, Everson Griffin was a once in a generation athlete kind of guy. He, he was, he was in that same realm as like a Bo Jackson from an athletic standpoint, not necessarily as a, um, you know, great player standpoint. I don't know if he could have got it done in both, baseball major league baseball and the nfl but he's had like a 12 13 year nfl career so i mean the guy the guy is ridiculous another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Yeah, now that we've, you know, kind of set the stage here a little bit, you talked about at least one or two of these guys that I think you'll probably want to expound on a little bit more. Aaron Flowers from Corny, Texas, you just saw him. I'd like for you, Scott, to talk a little bit about your trip to Dallas. You know, with with the Washington coaches now really 
spreading their wings and, and, and really expanding the footprint where they recruit. Texas has become a much bigger piece of the puzzle than it ever has before because not only are they getting more guys from Texas, like, you know, they got a Diesel Gordon who's already on campus. He's already involved in spring football. They went down to Louisiana, got a guy like Curly Reed. Um, you know, they just, it seems like they're kind of all over the place now. And Texas, if you're going to do it, Texas is one of the places to go. Tell us a little bit about your trip to, to Dallas and some of the guys that Washington is recruiting that really stood out in your mind. Hey, Chris, before before I do that, it was 17 years ago that we saw him. Oh, you just checked. Everson Griffin. Yes. Because okay. yeah. we would have seen him his the spring before his, or after his junior football season. So he was still a junior and he graduated in 07. Yeah, I can't so, remember the offensive lineman he went up against. Chris O'Dowd. Was Chris it? Okay, O'Dowd. yeah. So Chris O'Dowd. So they ended up both obviously at USC. Yep. Those one-on-ones are some of the best one-on-ones I think I've ever seen in my entire yep. life at any at any camp ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so some, any, some pretty ridiculous stuff. Yeah. So back to Texas. Um, back to Texas. Uh, yeah, it's got to be fertile. It's fertile recruiting ground right now for the state of Washington or for the University of Washington and. And I think the big reason why is because these coaches know that to get the guys that they're looking for along the offensive and defensive line, you're just not the, – the numbers are so far down on the West Coast when it comes to top-end defensive linemen that you're going to have to start venturing further further east. You know, Utah's got some guys because of that huge poly um, population that they have. But as far as interior defensive linemen, it's basically Texas eastward that you're going to find guys that you can get. Washington went in, into Minnesota last uh, year to get a, a, a guy in Alinius Davis, who, um, you know, I think I don't want to say he was severely underrated, but I think he's an underrated guy. He was only three stars. He he looks like a four star to me. Now, granted, the playing level in Minnesota, it's hard to, you know, gauge as opposed to Texas or Ohio or or uh, California, or even Utah. You know, it's hard. It's hard to even say that that. But he was dominant in uh, his league um, for for what he was able to do. So you're gonna have to go into other parts of the country um, to get these top end defensive linemen. And I think that's one reason why Washington is trying to make some inroads there. You also got some super athletic guys who can play either side of the ball: wide receiver, uh, defensive back. And I think Washington's trying to milk that that area. Now, if you think about it, though, Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor to a certain extent because of their success uh, recently, Oklahoma and several of the SEC schools, um, Louisiana or uh, LSU, sorry, LSU. Um, you know, you've got a few, Arkansas that will go in there. Tennessee has been down in in that area as well. Arizona, the Arizona schools are going to make ventures into Texas as well. USC is starting to make some ventures down there. Michigan, it has a big presence in the state of Texas. So Washington's got a lot of competition. And in the pecking order, at best, at best, they're probably they're fourth um, behind Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M. But even then, I think you're battling with Michigan and, you know, the name brand of Michigan and, and LSU and some of these other high-end programs that you're having to fight against. So real tough sledding out there, but it's getting better for Washington um, in the state of Texas. They're going to get a visit from a lot of these kids. And I talked to several of them down there, Chris, and a lot of these kids were like, 
Washington, isn't that up by Canada? Which it's true. It is up by Canada, but Canada to them is so far removed from the, from the United States. It's, it's ridiculous. So Alaska. Yeah. One guy, one guy thought that it was right up next to Alaska. And I was like, yeah, it's no. Well, one one thing I was going to say, one thing, Scott, that people need to consider, and I I believe in this, and I don't know how much you believe in it, but I think there's a lot of merit to it. Let's say you take a look at the top 20 guys in state for Washington, for instance. You can go top 100 in Texas, for instance. And I say that from from 10 to 20 in the state of Washington would be like 80 to 100 for Texas. And if you can get like the 80th overall player in Texas, that would be equivalent to getting like the 10th best player in the state of Washington. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I don't disagree with you there, Chris. I'm just, because a lot of these, a lot of people are, my point being, my point being in putting that out there is that yes, you you laid out why Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, you've got the other SEC schools as well as, you know, Big Ten schools that have made a, a, a history of it, like a Michigan, Penn mm-hmm. State, Ohio State, those guys have gone in there for sure. The Arizona schools have definitely gone into Texas. You know, you've got a lot of competition, but you don't necessarily need to be in the mix for the top 10 guys in the state. You can be in the mix for the guys from maybe 50 on. You know, we go back to a guy like uh, Levi Anzarike, who was maybe you could say he kind of started this run a little bit. Um, you know, you've got to find those guys that are unique in a way that maybe they're not looking to stay home. You know, we talk about a Papa Fua, for instance, from O'Day, and and maybe he's looking around. There's a couple of offensive linemen in last year's class that were kind of, you know, in-state, but looking around, ended up in places like Tennessee and Texas A&M and other places. You've got to you've got to kind of flip the tables and go to places like Texas and find those guys who are willing to do that to what the Washington guys are doing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, I, yeah. I, that's all I wanted to say. No, no, I don't disagree with you, Chris. I just, you know, there's a lot of people who see Washington making an offer to a five-star out of Texas and I want them to be excited about it, but because there is the chance that they're going to be able to find that. And Levi Anzarike was a mid-level four-star guy that had offers from a lot of schools. He didn't have them from the two Texas, the two top Texas schools though. And that's one of the things that you, to me, that's always something that you look at as a potential red flag. You want the instance. Like if, if you're a, let's say you're a Penn state and you get a a player from the state of Washington, I would think you'd want to make sure that Washington and Washington state have offered him. Mm -hmm. And Oregon. And And Oregon. And early, Mm -hmm. you know, so that there's no red flags there. Exactly. But, you know, here, let's even even an earlier an example that's a lot closer to today. Anthony James. Anthony James is a kid who was committed to Texas A&M, not Mm -hmm. just an offer, not just an early offer, but had been committed for quite a while before eventually signing with Washington. Those are the kind of guys you could potentially get in on. And, you know, and, and more to your point. You know, you, you want Washington fans to get excited about a lot of these kids that have Washington offers from Texas that are really high up on the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. This is important stuff. But at the same time, don't discount the Diesel Gordons. Don't discount mm-hmm. the guys that may be a little bit down. You know, Aaron Flowers, 
I don't know if he's a late bloomer. I don't know if he's a guy that all of a sudden the the 24-7 sports analyst got film of and all of a sudden is like, why are we sleeping on this kid? You know, you say he jumped up 100 spots, for instance. Mm-hmm. These are the guys you need to check out as much as the guys that were already the known quantities. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, I – Washington is doing really well for for a few other Texas guys too. Uh, Landon Cleveland was another one that I saw down there. Um, he's only a three star guy. I don't know how he's a three star guy, honestly. And on um, top of it, he's been a guy that Washington offered a long time. Now, if I remember correctly, the previous staff offered him. Yes, I believe so. And then yeah. the staff reoffered him, and and Coach Morell has built a really strong relationship with both uh, Landon Cleveland and. Uh, uh, Aaron Flowers. So, um, yeah. you know, he's he and and Landon Cleveland has a really strong relationship with Diesel Gordon. And so um, that's he when he comes up, he said, I'm planning to stay with Diesel. So, you know, yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and yeah. bottom line is they you know, one of the big things, again, that we've harped on in spring football now is this idea of cross training to different positions, especially if you're a defensive athlete, defensive back, you know. We talk about guys like Rashawn Clark and, and Marshawn McCraney from from the, from this area, and it's really really important to recruit the in-state guys. You want to close that fence as much as you can. That's a a really important deal. Thing about it is, the 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 there for every Rashawn Clark or Marshawn McCraney out there in the state, there's ten times as many of those guys that you can find in Texas, and if for some reason. That and they may even there may even be some in Texas that are better, that that come from either smaller schools, smaller areas, less recruited areas. That's where you know these guys do their due diligence, and it's really hard uh, to 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 go under the radar nowadays because there's so many feelers out there. The social networking has connected recruiting in such a way now that it's it's almost harder to get under the radar <laughs> than, yeah. than it than it's ever been. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, sites like ours and our network make it very hard for kids to fly under the radar. And, and you know, what, what what's really weird is when you see these big time schools like a St. John Bosco or a or a O'Day or or, um, you know, uh, Bishop Gorman. Right. And you see a guy come out and then you see a guy like Eddie Ulofosio and how yep. he was overlooked. You know, you talk about well, and he was at a monster school. Yeah, how many Moore. hundreds of schools come through there yeah. and recruit kids? And yeah. he didn't have any offers. Washington and Oregon State, I believe it was Oregon State. I think Washington and Oregon State were his two walk-on offers. Yeah, you know, no, it's crazy. I'm, I'm not saying that he was a big-time guy and that Washington should have offered a scholarship. But how are schools like New Mexico, New Mexico State, Colorado State? How are they not offering a guy like that? I don't. Yeah. I, it, it just it, it it remains a baffling mystery to me how guys could even still go under the radar. I remember Coleman Shelton when I talked to um uh uh you know the the recruiting coordinator for Washington and I'm totally drawing oh Sermon uh, Peter Sermon um after they they signed um Coleman Shelton and he's like we were literally trying to figure out why. No one had offered this kid, and he came out of Loyola in Southern California. That that's a school that gets a lot of kids coming out of it. That's where um, Miles Gas or Miles uh, Bryant came out of. That's where Colin Tonagawa came out of. Right. 
How, well, it how just, is it just, it just remember too, we're also yeah. talking about a situation not too far, not too far away where Luke Wattenberg was one of the top left tackle prospects in all of high school football, not just in California, uh-huh. but nationally right next to him. He had a guy that was playing right next to him about four or five inches shorter. Yep. Maybe 10, 20 pounds lighter. Not really getting a lot of play. Chris Strasser, who was the offensive line coach at the time, was recruiting Luke Wattenberg heavily. And all of a sudden, he looks at this guy next to him, watches a couple game films of him, and goes, okay, why isn't that guy getting recruited? Mm -hmm. His name? Nick Harris. Yep. And he ended up starting much further along than before Luke Wattenberg did. And, and, And credit to both of them. They're both in the NFL right now. Yep. Luke Wattenberg at the same position, make, by the way. Yeah, Luke Wattenberg's going to make a nice name for himself in the NFL, whether it's as a as an extra offensive lineman or what have you. He's with Denver right now. You know, he could move around a little bit. Coleman Shelton, another guy you just talked about, making a nice name for himself in the NFL. These guys can get developed, but they have to have an opportunity. And when you go back to looking at Texas, there are, the, your, your your footprint is just mega compared to the state of Washington, compared to even the Northwest as a whole it's just mega it's just it's just so far beyond what they can get in this area alone that it's it's the payoff can be enormous if you do it right Mm -hmm. and if you spend the right type of resources and those types of things let's put it this way we felt like it was worth it to us as an individual site to have someone go down there to specifically recruit washington players because Washington is recruiting a ton of players now from Texas. Yeah. And so it's like, we got to have a guy that can report well, on these things. Yeah. Because, well, I, I remember meeting with Kim about it and I was like, Hey, I think we should go to Texas. And he yeah. was like, okay, tell me why. And I said, because they've offered like 30 guys from there. Yeah. Look at the list. <laughs> yeah. They've offered 30 guys from there. And I, it's not only is it helpful for me to see them in person to evaluate them. It's also helpful for me to get down there and be in front of them. And Instead of this guy that's just a voice on the phone or in DMs or in texts, now they've seen me in person. Now their parents have met me and and know, okay, this is the guy who my son was talking to from the state of Washington, you know, as far as a recruit. They know me. They know I'm not a coach. You know, they 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 know that I don't represent the University of Washington as a as a coach or, or a recruiter. But the fact that a Washington site came down to saw them, that's big for a lot of these guys. Like some of them were like, man, you came all the way down here from Washington. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Let's put a fine fine point on that, too, Scott, because it's not just that they can put a face to a name, which is extremely important because you never get a second chance to make a first impression in recruiting. It's it's so important. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that as this thing winnows down and it just it funnels down. They've got to, they've got to, you know, I know it's, it's a running joke and, and people that follow recruiting a lot, they joke about it where, oh, okay, now he's only putting out a list of his top 20 schools. Oh, huge announcement. Mm-hmm. Okay. All jokes aside, they have to funnel their lists down at some point. You know, 20 goes to 10, goes to five, goes to yep. three, goes to two, goes to one. Throughout that entire process, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. But more people call them as they start to trim their list down. Yep. Because everyone wants to get their final shot in and find out what this kid is thinking. 
when that happens, it is so important that you've already established a relationship with that person mm-hmm. because they know who you are. They've they've interacted with you personally, face to face. And that's going to carry so much more currency than someone who they've only had a phone conversation with two months ago. Yep. And and and, and they are not going to want to answer their phone for just anybody as, as they get down to their final pick. Let's say you want to call a player a week before they've announced they're going to announce their decision. The chances of you getting on the phone with them, considering you've built up a relationship with this person, is so much greater than someone who has never met this person before. It's huge. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, more often than not, those guys, I mean, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Blair Amgulo, uh, Greg Powers, um, I could name, you know, Alan True. All these sure. guys that that are out at these games, they, they see them at games. They see them on a weekly basis because they go to a lot of these camps and everything like that. Um, yeah, and like you know, in Texas specifically, Gabe Brooks, huge. Yeah, Gabe Brooks is another yeah, one. Yeah, those yeah. he he was one that I that I you know kind of stood by quite a bit so he could introduce me to some guys and tell yeah. me who certain guys were. Exactly. It's so hard. These guys change so much from from. I see a picture of Aaron Flowers. He looks the same. Landon Donovan looks different. Because his hairstyle has changed. Cleveland, you mean. And Art Lines, sorry, Landon, Landon Donovan, jeez. Landon, Landon I, knew Cleveland. You were, I knew you were a soccer yeah. bro. Land, Land, <laughs> Landon Cleveland, um, you know, he looks different because his hair's different. Um, you know, I mean, some of these guys are guys I've talked to on the phone, but I don't know who they are. So I was like, Greg, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, t- you know, tell Gabe. me. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe, tell me who these guys are, you know, and, and he's like, okay, that guy's this guy and this guy is that guy and and that tall lanky guy is this this kid over here and that's one that Washington I know is recruiting pretty heavily but they haven't offered him yet and and everything like that and so and there were some 2025s and 2026 guys there that Washington is already recruiting they aren't they haven't offered them yet but they're already recruiting them and so or there's a couple that were offered 2025 guys but there were some 2026 guys that uh they had just started to get stuff from Washington and and um, so for them to see a guy from Washington come down there, um, you know, they but these kids see all those guys and those guys are in regular contact with these kids. But for a site like ours that still wants to have that that personal touch with kids, we've got to get in front of these kids. And and I think it's, you know, kudos to Kim for seeing that that and, uh, you know, and allowing me to go down and do that. And I I think it paid off. I mean, I, I, I ended up with five stories from there and and uh, I'm going to go down to the L.A. one where I'll probably have 20 stories coming out of that out of that camp because there's so many more kids that Washington has offered that'll be down there. Nate Frazier should be be a kid that I end up uh, going down and seeing a little bit of. And last year when I went to the L.A. camp, um, a guy that I saw down there that ha- didn't even have a UW offer at the time, but eventually ended up committing to them a little bit later in the process was Keith Reynolds. Yeah. I, I didn't even know, I wouldn't have even known who that kid was, except for I saw him at camp, saw how little he was, but how also super quick he was. And he stood out to me. And so I had made a note. I, I looked back at my notes and I said, kid from Adelanto. I didn't even know his name at the time. Yeah. And and I just said, kid from Adelanto looks really good. And I think I even include him in my write up of the 20 of the Under Armour next camp that I that I attended. So I'm looking for one of my favorite things. I like going down and doing interviews with the 2024 guys. But one of my favorite things is discovering a young guy. Do you, do you remember 
when I when I was texting you guys and I saw um, Everett Thompson and um, and uh, Casey Williams when they were both freshmen playing for their respective teams. One was for Kennedy, one, for, one was for Skyline. Yeah. But it, it's so fun to actually go down and see a kid before he blows up and everybody knows about him. And like like Senio, Calamante, yeah. so like he, that. He, but he was someone that we knew about from the Taylor Barton stuff. Sure. And so he he we knew about him before, but I these were guys that nobody even told me about. And I saw them and I was like, holy crud, who is this kid? Oh, he's yeah. only a freshman. Holy crap. You know, and I yeah. mean, that's that was, that's the fun part is going down and seeing kids who aren't even on the radar yet and knowing that someday this kid might be on Washington's radar or might be on the national radar. Maybe maybe Washington doesn't recruit him. But, hey, I saw that kid when he was a freshman and I I could tell that he you know, maybe not that he's at the level that he's at now, but I could tell that that kid that kid looked like a dude when he was a freshman. So that's yeah. kind of the fun part of these things is discovering kids that you that you've never seen before. Nobody really knows about yet. But all of a sudden, oh, another guy was Jaden Wayne. I remember going out to the PLU camp and Brandon Huffman and I walked by and we 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 see this kid and we're like, who is this? And we're looking on their roster. We don't see it. He's for Lincoln. He's at Lincoln. Oh, I'm an eighth grader. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm just playing up right now because it's past my Cause it, cause it's in June. And so he could, he could practice with the high school team. So he came down and, and I remember um, seeing a bunch of college coaches over there and, and we had made a mention to a couple of the coaches that um, Jaden Wayne was only an eighth grader and they were, they, they literally stopped talking to us and ran over to him. Yeah. That no, happened. I mean, it's, it, it happens. It happens yeah. more often than you might think. Uh, especially now that you you think we're in an era where everyone is known. Yeah. Um, I remember we even talked about it now with uh, Caleb McGarry signing his new free agent contract with Congratulations Atlanta. to him, by the way. Yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic news for Caleb. But of course, you remember meeting him at the Kagan's Bowl, and we were at a Barton camp, and I think Taylor probably knew about him, but maybe hadn't seen him in person yet, and knew he was going to be down there as a guy to watch. And he was working out with like the tight ends and stuff. And, and, you know, we're just looking at this guy run and going, this is crazy. This guy plays for battleground. It's like, yeah, no, they need, <laughs> he needs to get some, he needs to get some eyeballs in front of him. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it was amazing to see the progression. Now all of a sudden then he moves to Fife and, uh, everything blows up for him. So, yeah, I, I, we've seen that. There's no doubt, guys. Uh, you know, a, it's funny because I think a lot of fans out there assume we go to report on camps because we're trying to find all those under-the-radar guys. But the simple fact is there's very few under-the-radar guys anymore because of social networking, because of, of the way that these colleges have already kind of scoured the – whether it's the Internet or scoured their network of coaches to already figure out – who the top guys are that they should be recruiting. Yeah. And I mean, it, when you do find one, it's that unicorn, it's that four leaf clover, you know, you're just like, Oh my gosh, I saw someone that nobody knew about, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it kind of gets the juices flowing. It's like, you know, I, I'm sure it's, you know, golfers wouldn't say this, but it's like when you hit that perfect shot and it just, it, it makes you want to keep doing it. Right. And and that's how it is for me with, when it comes to recruiting and discovering a kid that nobody had ever seen before. And 
and I mean, the kid was going to be discovered, but me seeing him first, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of it. It's validation that hey, I kind of know what I'm I'm seeing. You know, I'm not I'm not. I know a lot of people would debate this, but I'm not a complete idiot. You know, I kind of know what I'm looking for. Yeah, no, obviously. I mean, it helps. It helps when you get validation that for sure. Yep. When a guy comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was the first one to see him, all those types of things. It does make sense. Let, let's make sure we've kind of gotten a little of the field, but let's wrap yeah. up the Texas stuff. You talked Aaron Flowers. You talked Landon Cleveland. Give us a few other names uh, from the Texas camp that you saw that Washington fans should definitely be aware of moving forward. Um, there there was one, and um, I'm looking him up right now as you, as you asked the question. Um, his last name is Steps. Uh, and I can't type here, uh, but he is an offensive lineman that only had Tobias steps from Lancaster, Texas. Um, actually, uh, if I am a hundred percent right on this, I think his high school is the one that they had a shooting in more very recently, like earlier this week, maybe. Oh, I was going to say, it's not, not like Uvalde. No, it wasn't. No, I'm talking like where, like one student got shot and then the, another one shot himself or so I can't remember what it was, but this is very recently, like earlier this week. But anyway, he's six, five, 260 pounds. Um, he's out of Lancaster, Texas. Uh, he only has offers from Texas A&M, TCU and Louisiana Monroe, but he looked unbelievable. Six, five, 260 pounds. He's an offensive lineman. He, he had never played offensive line until, the 2022 season. Um, he had always been an edge guy because of his size and length and he tore his meniscus. So he mi- he missed part of his uh, junior season and, and, uh, and just is one of those guys that is kind of under the radar for a lot of schools. And um, I, I talked to him and he was just like, Hey, I'm still wide open. And he goes, anybody who wants to recruit me, I am open for it because I, I want to find the best place for me. We've got him rated him as the number 49 offensive tackle in the country. I think that goes up after people get a look at him this fall. I think he's going to just blow up. I think there's you're going to see a lot of schools uh, come in on him. I think he'll have a lot more than TCU, Texas, and, or Texas Tech, and um, Louisiana. So that's a name to remember. There was also a Georgia commit there, and you can see – you could just see the difference, Chris. I mean, it was absolutely, unbelievably ridiculous. <laughs> the how, yeah. just the look of this kid, um, and you're just like, man, they just grow up so much differently down here in the South. And you know, I, I say the South, you know, the the um, the, you know, this kid was actually from Mississippi, and okay. is, is committed to. And I mean, I don't even remember his name off the top of my head because I didn't. I mean, he's committed to Georgia and he's from Mississippi. Washington isn't really going to be a, a t- team that can get after him. But, man, he looked really good. D- Dalen Evan is is a guy that I saw. He's out of Pine Tree down in Longview, Texas. He's an edge. He's already committed to Texas A&M. But we saw last year that Washington can go head to head against Texas A&M and get a guy. So yep. um, looked really good in the one on ones. Uh, Jaden Sheldon is a, is the one of the 2025 guys that I told you guys about. He's from South Oak Cliff. That's in uh, da- in South Dallas, I believe. Um, he's a sophomore. He's he looks like a basketball player right now, but he's got those long arms. His 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 arms were 84 inches as a sophomore. So wow. 
He's got he's got an unbelievable uh, length that. But I mean, some of these kids, you know, I and I call them kids. Um, he's got braces, Chris, and yeah. Yeah. he's got baby face. And you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I gotta you gotta always remember that these kids are these kids are just you know they're they're babies. You know, they're babes in the woods when it comes to all this stuff. Uh, I talked about Tobias Steps. Cameron Morgan is another one that's another edge D-line guy that Washington has offered. Um, he He's he's one that um, I know that Washington really likes a lot. Um, he he also looks like – I'm sorry. I got uh, Jaden Shel- Shelton um, confused with Cameron Morgan. Um, the Jaden Shelton's actually a linebacker, and that's my mistake. Sorry about that. Cameron Morgan is a guy that um, that had the long arms, had the 84 inch arms and the braces. But you got to just keep reminding yourself that these guys are just ridiculously young and they have no idea what's going on and their parents have no idea what's going on. And so um, but Cameron Morgan's a guy that Washington actually coach uh, Brechterfield is the one who's recruiting him and has made an impression. And he said he wants to try and get up here this summer. Uh, said he might even come up for camp. So we'll have to wait and see on him. Uh, Riley Wormley is a guy that people should put in the back of their heads. He's also a 2025 running back from Colleyville Heritage in Texas. And uh, um, he looked really impressive. Now, he's got offers from a lot of places already. But I know Washington's recruiting him a little bit. Really elusive. Has that extra gear. um, Got in and out of his brakes really well. Um, really excited to see how he develops over the next uh, year, year and a half. And then um, Taylor Tatum is the guy. He was the number one running back there, and you can see why. He can catch it. He can run it. He's got great um, great moves in the open field, but he's big. He's a lot bigger than I thought. He, he, we have him listed, I think, somewhere in the – Oh gosh, I want to say like the six foot range, but he looked taller than that to me. He looked like he was more like six one or six two. We've got him at actually we've got him at five ten and a half. I thought he was like six one. And okay. I'm five ten and he he looked a lot taller than me. Um granted he's standing in cleats, so maybe that was a little bit of a difference, but man, he looked a lot bigger than I thought. Five ten, two oh five. He's got offers from all over. Um he's one of the top running backs in the entire country. He's number three in the country. Uh, in the 247 composite. So, um, but yeah, those are some, those are some names from Dallas. Um, it was, or it was the best offensive and defensive line group that I've ever seen together at a mm. camp. And okay. it's just because they have so many of them down there that they only brought the cream of the crop. They only had, I want to say like 30 guys, maybe it was 40 guys. They, no, they had 30 offensive linemen and about 20 to 30 defensive Lyman and edges and um so so it was 50 to 60 somewhere in that range but man it all of them had power five offers or or if they were younger they're getting power five looks already and um so yeah yeah washington will be a heavy presence in the uh texas area for the foreseeable future all right now that we've kind of gone through that Let's start thinking about the future here, the immediate future. I'd say in about six weeks or so, Washington's actually going to be starting hosting some official visits. Mm -hmm. They had some visits. I mean, if you remember last year, you know, they went in the middle of May and they were hosting guys like Rasheed Williams, who ended Mm -hmm. up signing with Washington. Um, You know, and then they and then obviously 
that end of June, kind of that last week or so, I mean, I think they hosted, if you go back and look, they hosted upwards of about 20 kids. I thought it was like 24. Yeah. Yeah. It was at least 20 kids and, and, and a majority of them ended up signing with the Huskies. Um, obviously there was the, the, the ones like the Lincoln Kinos and, uh, you know, those kinds of ones that ended up flipping that, that were a little tough to take. I think if you're a Washington fan, but for the most part, you know, a huge, a huge, um, credit goes to Courtney Morgan and his staff for really lining this thing up so that basically all the coaches had to do was just come in and knock them down and, and get them committed. Because they were, I think they they clearly do this with the idea of getting the getting the group together that they want, because they see a future as these as this group as a unit as a class at the University of Washington. It seems to me that that's a pretty. It just looks like it's common sense the way it lines mm-hmm. up. Yes, so, you know, just just give us a, a quick overview because there's not a ton that are listed right now, but you can see that they're clearly going to be, you know, starting to add to that list. And you've already kind of uh, talked about the idea that these, these guys are going to start really lining things up uh, as we go along. Cause right now the only ones they have listed are the ones for that end of June visit date. That seems yeah. to be their, their target date. Yeah. So uh, let's just go through the four guys who have currently committed to, uh, official visits for Washington for that weekend of the 23rd, 24th, 25th. That's the last recruiting, full recruiting weekend for um, the month of June. But I think they are able to go through the end of June, um, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, uh, can, while I'm kind of talking about these, can you go to the board, uh, yeah. the recruiting board, and look up the calendar that I have posted there and tell sure. me if that's true or not i i think they can go through the 30th but i could be wrong on that so um as far as far as the four guys committed to official visits uh at the university of washington for friday the 23rd are aaron butler we've already talked about him the athlete out of calabasas he's currently committed to usc but washington is definitely in the mix for him pocky finnow the offensive lineman 6'4 265 pounder from oak hills we've already talked about him a little bit He's very high on their board, and he's very high on Washington, actually, as well. Um, so that those are two guys that uh, um, that have already committed to uh, official visits. Then you have Honolulu Lafayette out of St. Louis High School in Honolulu. Edge guy, 6'3", 222 pounds. He's a top 50 kind of um, edge guy, four, top 500 uh, player in the country. Uh, has offers from quite a few schools. Washington has him um, already scheduled for an official visit. And then Devin Brooks, the offensive lineman out of Clackamas, Oregon, 6'4", 290 pounds. He's already been to Washington at least five or six times if you include visits for games last year. Also, the uh, he's been on two unofficial visits that I know of that had nothing to do with games or anything like that. So uh, that's another name that people need to keep an eye on. And, Chris, you and I both saw him at the uh, uh, the national preps camp up at up in everett um yeah. last last time this year uh, this year a year ago this time so um yeah. that's another guy that washington has has made some some huge impacts on chris do you have the dates when the dead period kind of starts i do i do so 
just to give people a sense so that so the the weekend of like the 23rd 24 25th that friday through sunday of june that's their big recruiting weekend that they're going to have like again i would say probably upwards of 15 to 20 and you can even expand it to earlier in the week because yeah. I, I remember guys like Zachary Henning coming in a few days before that, and they kind of tried to spread a couple of those guys out. I think I think Keenels came in earlier during that week uh, as well. But then that that Monday, the 26th, is the last day okay. of the open period, the contact period. And then once that open that that period goes, then it goes quiet. And, okay. and actually, it goes dead starting Tuesday, the 27th of June. And it'll go dead all the way until the 25th of July, which is also a Tuesday. And that final week of July, they could potentially host recruits if they wanted to. Yeah, and um, Uh, UW typically doesn't do that, but yeah. Yeah, I know Oregon in the past has has done those things. I know that they, you know, a lot of the, the schools, they have those Friday Night Lights type things where they get all those guys together and do that thing. So I don't know if Washington's planning on doing something like that. Typically, that's a time where staffs would usually go out and go on holiday with their families. Because it's their uh, last chance before the season yeah, starts. Exactly. Well, last chance before fall camp. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so historically that has never been a time where Washington's really recruited. But you just never know. They may they may yep. try to take advantage of that final week in June. We'll see. We also thought they'd never have a throne and they have that now. So, yeah, that's yeah. OK. <laughs> Yeah, the less said about that, the better in my Yeah, opinion. I'm not a fan, but hey, it is it's not meant for fifty year old men like us, Chris. It's, I hear you. It's I not hear for you. us. But so. you know, in your opinion, do you think that they will start trying because again, you know, if you go back to last year, middle of May, they were starting to take official visitors. Do you expect that that dynamic is gonna is gonna continue uh with this cycle? Yes. Yes. I I so, so you know and I'll, I'll blog about this a little bit more. Maybe I could go a little bit more in depth, but basically, um, you know, the coaches are trying to form relationships with these kids and get in and also with the parents and getting a sense for when these kids are going to commit. Okay, Chris. Yep. Some of these kids, a lot of these kids are saying they want to commit before they're the start of their senior season. Okay. And you need to get a sense. Is this kid a kid who will commit, but then keep things open? Is this a kid who will keep, commit and then not keep things open? Um, if it's a kid that doesn't that wants to commit before a senior season and wants to take all of his official visits before then, do you do you get yourself in there regardless of when it is? So it could be early June, it could be the last week of May, it could be the mid mid May, um, or it could be the last week of June. Or does he want to take an official visit in July? Do we want to push it off until then? Do, you know, there, there's just so much gamesmanship and and it, it's such a fluid situation because a lot of these kids will set official visits to to five schools and then they'll take they'll take uh, one official visit and then to to the first school that they wanted to visit and the other four now they're canceling visits and they they're like hey I've decided I want to stick closer to home so I'm going to visit this school instead and be a little bit closer to home. I'm sorry, coaches. I, I know I set something up with you guys, but I'm not going to go and things like that. Or they'll just make multiple official visit schedules and then just not show up for one of them. 
you know, Chris, I mean, that's happened before too. So oh, yeah. I know, I know coaches that that is not a way a kid should be running his recruitment, but they're also kids. You got to remember, and a lot of these parents don't know how bad that can really look uh, to do things like that. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, but uh, yeah, so you, you've got to read these kids. You've got to get a good read on these kids and, and, and their parents and how involved are the parents are the parents, the kind that want their, have their handout that they're want, that they want money for kids or, or they want to be a, a integral part of this recruiting process. How much do I need to recruit the kids? How much do I need to recruit the parents? How much do I need to recruit the girlfriend? How much do I need to recruit the teammate? How much, you know, it, there's so many things that come into play on when you're and it's, it's, it's a, it's an art rather than a, than a, um, you know, scientific process for, for these official visits, because if you, if you get an official visit from a kid, so Lincoln uh, Kineholtz, you know, takes his visit to Washington, shuts it down, and then takes an official visit to Ohio State right before signing day and commits to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the thing is, is that the, the quicker you get a verbal commit in the process, the longer you're going to have to maintain yep. So what? where is that fine balance it is, between yeah. a player knowing he's done his due diligence so that he shuts it down, also knowing that a lot of these guys want to make their decisions before their senior season starts so they don't have the distraction of recruiting behind the scenes going on at the same time. They're trying to give full focus to their high school team. There's all these dynamics in play. It's it's up to Courtney Morgan. It's up to his recruiting staff. It's up to the individual coaches to really almost play armchair psychologist and know what these kids are thinking and what they're what they're what they're feeling in terms of all these things that are going on and how comfortable they are when they make a verbal commitment, Mm -hmm. because some guys do it just because they have the offer and they don't know any better. Yeah. And other guys go through this whole process thinking that their dream offer is going to show up when it never does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of it comes down to who they're, who they're surrounding themselves with the prospect, not just their families, because these guys are also on seven on seven teams. So they've got trainers, they've got other people in their ear talking to them. What kind of advice are they getting? There's so many things that are in play here that are, that, that these kids are having to deal with. It's it's an enviable position because, you know, at the end, they're going to get their schooling paid for. And that's the most important thing. And they also have a potential payday lined up, whether it's via NIL, what have you. There's all these things that are exciting to think about in their future. But in the meantime, they're having to go through this process where they're getting pulled in every direction and they don't know what to do. And so that's where it comes down to these coaches trying to give the best advice that they can and also understanding the situation, knowing, do we need to get a commitment from this player now because it's going to be easier to maintain them? Or do we wait and play the long game knowing that we've done enough due diligence and we understand this kid and his family situation well enough that we can come back around at the end like Ohio State did with kind of, with Kainles and mm-hmm. and get him at the end to go ahead and sign that's the tricky part of recruiting and that's where uh those guys get paid the money that they get paid Mm -hmm. yeah and it it is like i said chris it is it is absolutely an art form 
yes. what these coaches have to do. Yeah. It is it, it's, not it's, scientific. It's, it's, it's always been kind of, to me, it's always been half science, half art. Because the science can only take you so far. The measurables mm-hmm. can only take you so far. The, the, the things that are in play, the empirical data can only take you so far. At, at the end of the day, they're still humans. They're still people. They're still involved. They still have families. There's still distance. There's still so many other factors at play that you have to consider. And, you know, sometimes you luck out and you end up being at the right place at the right time to get the right player. And other times it doesn't work out. And in fact, I would say in recruiting, it probably works out uh, less than it does. Then the the, the misses always seem to factor more than the hits. Um, Maybe that's a wrong way to put it. But I've always it's kind of like baseball. You know, if, if you bat, if you only get a single or you only get a base hit one out of every three times, you're a Hall of Famer. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like you're yeah. still missing out those other two times, right? Yeah. So I, I just sometimes the, you know, people only think about the misses sometimes when, you know, we talked about Eddie Ulafosio earlier in the in the podcast. You know, who wouldn't want a guy like that on your team right now? Mm-hmm. And everybody in the entire country missed out on him except for Washington and I think you mentioned Oregon State. You know, it, it, it's, 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 so, it's so not scientific. And there's so many other factors at play. Yeah. Um, we need to wrap this thing up for sure. But of course, we've got to we've got to uh, ask you the question because we always do when it comes to recruiting. They're at two commitments right now. I think you mentioned before the season you expect them to be at around eight or so, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight to ten, somewhere eight in that to range. 10. Yeah. Okay. So who do you feel, in your opinion? Obviously, we're not going to hold you to it. Not going to hold your feet to the fire. Yeah, sure, Chris. What yeah. are some? Well, the, <laughs> the 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 Washington fans can. I won't. But the Washington okay. fans can. Okay. Who are some of the names that you think are going to should be right at the forefront in terms of maybe not even just taking early visits, but might be looking to make early commitments in the next couple months? Well, one one name that I've been mentioning, and I just mentioned it in my my blog earlier this week, was a kid by the name of. Corey Hall. I mean, he's he's a guy that I would be surprised if he isn't committed to, as long as Washington wants him that he's, you know, a, a kid who who has been in love with Washington for a while. He's come up on an uh, unofficial visit uh, to check things out and and, um, you know, see what they see, what the school has to offer. He's at Grover Cleveland High School down in Reseda, uh, California. He's listed as a wide wide receiver, six two, two hundred pounds. Uh, in the database, but he's actually being recruited by Washington as a defensive back. So um, that's that, that's a kid whose name you should remember. Um, one that I've mentioned earlier and I mentioned also in the blog was Rayshon Clark out of uh, Federal Way, two-way athlete. He wants to play wide receiver in college, but most people think he's a defensive back. Washington, Washington likes him as an defensive back, back, Husky, and I I think he's a guy who that who Washington could um, reel in if they're if they're willing to maybe give him a look at uh, at at cornerback. So that's two names. Uh, let me let me just uh, look here. I'm looking for a couple other names um, that I like could who could possibly make an early decision. Malachi Durant, a, a kid out a wide receiver out of Graham Kapowson. Um, he's one Dylan Gresham out of San Jacinto wide receiver, same high school as, um, Vincent, uh, Vince flowers, uh, right. 
what was his name? Uh, Aaron, no, Vincent, uh, who commit, he's a 2023 Vincent guy. Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. Vincent Holmes. Sorry. Vincent Holmes. He's a guy who could possibly get a, uh, be one that could come in. Quasi Gilmer is another one out of Sierra Canyon, uh, six, 280 pounder. Uh, he's one of the top wide receivers in the country, uh, just out of the top two, four, seven, uh, quasi Gilmer is a guy to keep an eye on as well. So those are some names. Um, I don't think any, any of the D linemen are close to committing to, to Washington. Um, I think Kamar Motuti is a, is a kid who's very intriguing and, and could be an early commit to Washington at some point. But I think right now he's not a guy who's uh, looking to make an early decision. So uh, those are just a few names for you guys, uh, just to whet your appetite. I'm sure you want to know about 20 other guys, but right now those are the ones that I think if any of them are going to pop, those are the, those are the ones who I could see popping early. And, and, but I want to make it clear that at this point in time, I don't see anyone committing for a little while. We're probably talking another couple weeks before we start seeing anybody commit. Yeah. And I want to reiterate a point you made. I thought it was a great point. You know, this team just came off an 11-2 and two season. Their star is on the rise. They've got a Heisman Trophy candidate, Michael Penix Jr. There's a lot of things going on in, in a real positive direction for this program. And so with Courtney Morgan, with the people that he knows, with his network, which is basically nationwide at this point, they're going to try to take their shots at higher-rated guys. And those guys take time. They, most of those guys aren't necessarily guys that will make really early commitments. Or if they do, they still won't sign until mid-December. Unless, like an Austin Mack, for instance, who reclassifies. There's always that occasional exception where guys will do that, that kind of thing. But for the most part, if you know they're a 2024 guy, the, the, the one thing you can say is if they're going to try to enroll early, it's, they're going to be doing it after the season. They're going to be doing it in the offseason so they can try to get a jump on the following spring, which we saw with a lot of the guys from Washington's 2023 class that are already on campus, already participating. And we're going to see a few more here this coming week in guys like Landon Hatchett, uh, Caleb Presley, Elenius Davis. So that that's always in play, too, because early decision guys are guys that you, you want to get after because – these coaches want those guys in their program as early as possible. That seems to be something that's really trending, just a, a general trend in recruiting. Yes, so and a lot of ki- a lot of kids I've talked to have said they plan to enroll early. Yeah, and I just think that that's something now that's trickled down into the academic system at the high school level where a lot of guys are aware of it when they're ninth and 10th graders, and they get on it. Whereas before, let's say five years ago, that wasn't necessarily something that a lot of guys considered with a lot of foresight. Now it's something they almost look at as a choice. They go, mm-hmm. well, okay, we can try to do this early if we want to. What, what do you think? You know, a lot of guys, honestly, the only reason a lot of guys don't enroll early is because they're multiple sport guys and they want to do track. Yep, yep, yep. You know, they want to, it's, you know, and there's a lot of fans. Or out baseball. There that, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fans out there. They're going to be like, ah, oh, that just sounds dumb. All. No, they want the coaches love that stuff. They don't necessarily need all their guys to enroll early. They want the multiple sport guys. They want the athletes. They want the guys that are competitors. They they don't they the coaches don't shy away from recruiting those guys at all. Mm-hmm. That's it, 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 probably just the opposite in a lot of ways. But when it comes down to it, because they've expanded their recruiting ter- territory, because they've gone all over the country now, 
they're getting guys from Louisiana. They're getting guys from Minnesota. They're getting guys from Texas. They're getting guys from all over the place. You know, this is one of those things where this recruiting class, it might take a little more time to come together. But I think at the end of the day, and I, I you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, I think you posted on the boards where you still think at the end of the day, this is going to be a higher rated class. Now, I wonder about that just because numbers do come into the final equation. You know, if you have yeah. more commits in the boat, that's going to help your overall number as far as 24-7 sports is concerned. But in terms of, let's say, rating per recruit, I think you're right on the money in thinking that this is going to be a higher rated class per recruit than last year's was. Absolutely should be. I, I think it should be a top 20 class, 15 to 20, somewhere in that range. I mean, Chris Peterson at his at his top, I think, was only 16th. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Like, it, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was never it's never been a situation where Washington is going to reel in a top 10 recruiting class just because of their location. Mm hmm. And, 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 you know, maybe Washington fans aren't going to like this when I tell them this, but academics still are important and you well, still, have, yeah. and you still have to get through that. Now the clearinghouse is obviously the base minimum, but you, Washington historically has never taken a bunch of minimum qualifiers. They just don't do that. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's been loosened a little bit over the years, but I don't think they've loosened it that much. No. And, and the thing is, the thing is too, Chris, um, when you when you talk about it is and and Cooper Petenia, uh, who um you know has a, his own recruiting podcast um on the two four seven platform and everything like that, but he's kind of talked about Washington. He did did it with Kim. If you know Washington, there there are some kids who are highly rated kids who are just not going to be a good fit at the University of Washington, and they're going to pass them over. Chris Peterson did it. I, 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 and from everything I've seen from Kalen DeBoer and his staff, they're doing it too. There are just some kids who are not going to be a fit here. And regardless of how great they are uh, as players, they're just not going to be good fits here. And if that's the case, then you guys aren't going to like it, but that that's just where it goes. Because ultimately these guys are inside out guys. They are culture first. Mm -hmm. They're going to be culture first guys. And you've got to buy into the culture before you can be developed to anywhere near the extent you want to be. You have mm -hmm. to you have to buy into everything they're doing in the offseason, probably even more importantly in the offseason as as well as during the season. There's there's just those things that are fundamental to this program. Now under Kalen DeBoer, they were fundamental to the program under Chris Peterson. And the results speak for themselves. So it's it's not it's not like they need to change what they're doing. Yeah, but but because recruiting is the lifeblood of any program, you still have to hit on more guys than you miss on. Now, because I just said earlier on, recruiting is so inexact. If you get one out of three guys right, you may be still doing really really well. But you've got to really hit. When you hit, these guys have to get developed and they have to become big time contributors. And right now. Because of the development piece, because of the offseason piece with Ron McKeefery, uh, and you can go back. We did a huge, I just did a huge interview with him last week, and he was he was phenomenal in his time and letting us know kind of what they're doing in the offseason. But if you buy into that and you set yourself up and you really take uh, hit the ground running for spring football, 
that just sets you up for a phenomenal season where these guys talk about it. They talk about where the practices are so hard that the games almost feel like they're easier in a way. And and this is just all part and parcel of what goes on with their recruiting efforts. They try to get those guys to understand this is going to be some of the most rewarding stuff that you've ever done, but it's also going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. And you have to be, you have to be ready for that. So we got on for way too long, Scott, but I do want to give you a chance. Any final thoughts on just kind of recruiting in general for Washington, where they're at, how they're set up. I know you talked about kind of the number here and there, but any, uh, any last thoughts you might have? Yeah. Uh, just, this is where I thought they'd be at this point. They're trending up on the recruiting trail. They're trending up on their recruiting class. Um, you know, they only have a couple commits. Like I said earlier at the very beginning of the podcast, I thought they'd have a few more. But then after kind of looking at things and talking to a few people, it sounds like this class is going to be a little bit slower to develop than than we had seen last year at this time. I think they only had three or four, but that was a new new staff. So maybe you would think that that you'd see more commitments at this point in the in the process. But really, Washington, um, actually, I, they might not have got Tybo Rogers in until later in the process. I, I, I think we were waiting a little while for that. But anyway, um, you know, I, I just really like how Washington is recruiting. I like that they're be, being selective to a certain extent, but they're also being very aggressive. And, um, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's a fine art. Uh, the game of recruiting and and how they have to finagle things and figure things out and and who's going to go where and when they're going to commit and why they're committing and and what's important to them and all those different things and nil is also something that we didn't even talk about really but that's also in play too so uh this class this class i still think somewhere in the 20 to 15 range i think they're they're in good shape to be in that in that range with the outside side shot of getting maybe to 14th or 13th if they if things really really follow their way. But um, you know with the portal, you know nowadays you get two shots, maybe even three shots at kids. So um, you know they might not end up at the University of Washington as a start, but you got to maintain those relationships and and think that down the road there's always the possibility those kids could decide to leave. So. Uh, their schools that they're at and possibly come commit to you. So a uh, lot of a lot of moving parts in recruiting, as always. Um, but we're going to cover it for you uh, morning, noon and, you know, and night. And uh, we'll be all over it. And you guys just know where to come and, and to get the, the best inside info on the on the Internet for Washington recruiting. Yeah, I, I would just say just to add real quick on the portal, Scott, that. You know, we saw it with Jeremy Bernard, you know, who's at Washington right now after, you know, initially signing with Washington, actually enrolling at Washington, being at Washington for a week and then leaving and going to Michigan State. And now he's back at Washington. These things you just never know, even when they literally sign on the dotted line. It's not necessarily a done deal. So that's why, you know, anyone who follows recruiting has to understand it's like playing no limit hold'em poker. It's just if you can't handle the swings and can't handle the sudden jumps in what a player does here, there, all of a sudden seems committed. Now he's going somewhere else or he's going to sign here or there. It's it's a very fluid process and you got to You got to go with the flow. It's just because you just never know how these things happen. And the coaches, you talk about the portal. This is one of those situations now where every cycle in the portal now. They probably try to keep a, a scholarship or maybe even two in their back pocket 
for any guys that might come through the portal for that exact reason that you mentioned, those longstanding relationships, guys that they've already liked that maybe they just didn't get, didn't hit on the first time, or maybe the recruit just saw something in another school that just edged Washington out ever so slightly that now the recruit goes, you know what? I think I made a mistake or, or I, I really do think I can get developed more at Washington than at, at this other place. Maybe I need to, to check them out now. Um, you know, so you just never know. You just never know. And that's part of the reason why I really didn't want to go into the portal talk because it's so, it's so general at this point. And because they've already gotten the guys that they're going to get out of the portal. Dylan Johnson's going to be a guy that we're going to see next week. Um, can't, super excited to see what he's going to do. The guy was at Mississippi State, the running back. Uh, they've already got Daniel Ngata, the other running back from Arizona State. He's been working out. Saw him in the first three workouts. Looks great. You know, all these other guys coming in from uh, all over the country from various levels, too. We talked about uh, a guy like uh, Zach Durfee coming in from, from uh, Sioux Falls. It's like, God, I'm curious, how's this guy going to work out? And he certainly looks the part. I don't know how quickly he's going to develop, but he looks the part physically. We'll see how quickly he can kind of ramp up his development and see if he can be a factor in 2023. So we're going to wrap it up there, guys. A lot to chew on. And I know we went way over the time, but hopefully you get something out of it. And Scott, always enjoy talking recruiting with you. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, as someone who who did it for so much long, for so long before I even got here, and uh, and you know you've kind of passed the baton to me, but you're still you're still very involved in it too. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's I'm fun. In, I'm I, as involved as I need to be in terms of if you tell me I got to start looking at these guys, yeah. I need to start looking. Well, it's at not them. just that. I'm like, Chris, can I get some help? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm here. So, I'm here for you, man. Exactly. But well, especially on those weekends when we got to call 20 kids, yeah. you know, it's like I, hey, I'm going to need some help, guys. Yeah, we're not far away from that either. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're getting it's, close. We're getting it's close scary on. that it's I mean, it's literally three months from now, Chris, 90 days. Yeah. yeah, it'll it'll hit us before you know it. Yep. So we'll wrap it up there for Scott Eklund, our recruiting editor. This is dog, uh, Chris Fetters at dogman.com. Go dogs. Go dogs.